This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. As the Biden administration pivots from their efforts to pass the Build Back Better bill, Vice President Kamala Harris has shifted focus back to trying to gain support For the voting rights bill this past Sunday in an interview with CBS Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan, Vice President Harris said that America would lose its role model status if Congress fails to pass voting rights legislation. When asked about her biggest failure as vice president thus far, Harris had this to say. To not get out of D.C. more. (laughs) For this and more, we'll bring in our panel, opinion editor for The Washington Times, Charlie Hurt. Publisher and editor-in-chief of Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, Amy Walter, and Fox News Chief Washington Correspondent Mike Emanuel. Uh, Amy, I think as you look at the numbers here, uh, it seems like they're going to have to start at square one for Build Back Better uh, to get consensus considering where Joe Manchin is now. That's right. I mean, we've kind of known all along <clears throat> that Joe Manchin wanted to have a piece of legislation that was much more tailored, was narrowed. It wasn't as much just about the price tag as it was about the priorities. Um, Meanwhile, you have Democrats in Congress who recognize, hey, this may be our only chance, uh, at least in the next two years, maybe in the next four or more, for us to get many of the wish list items (laughs) accomplished right we've been waiting to be in charge of in charge of the house and the senate for a long long time here's our opportunity to finally get these things done and they're not going to want to easily give up many of those priorities but their choice is either and it's been here all along you got to go to where mansion is not to where uh, the progressive base is and it does seem as if at least the leadership in the progressive party, like uh, Congresswoman Jayapal, understand that um, what it actually looks like. Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, Charlie, I mean, the whole uh, lambasting mansion and calling him names and telling people to protest him and saying they're going to primary him in West Virginia, that really never worked, never would work. And uh, so they're having to restructure their plan, I think. Yeah, probably not the most effective way to get Joe Manchin to do something that he doesn't want to do. 
Um, but, you know, it's interesting if you if you talk to folks on Capitol Hill uh, privately, um, they will tell you that that uh, that, you know, behind the scenes, uh, it, it may have been more than just Joe Manchin who had some reservations about that giant price tag. Not that uh, there were many other Democrats who were terribly vocal about uh, their their concerns about the size of the bill. But certainly uh, Joe Manchin, uh, you know, I think there were a number of Republicans that were part of the negotiations who believed that Joe Manchin was probably speaking for more than uh, than just himself when he was uh, raising concerns about about some of the, you know, the level of of spending. And, and certainly, you know, probably the biggest mistake, I think, that a lot of uh, negotiators made, in particular the White House, is is uh, attacking Joe Manchin and, and acting like somehow Joe Manchin works for the White House or works for the administration or works for the Democrat Party, when in fact he's obviously uh, representing and, and probably ably representing in this case uh, his voters back home. Um, but but it is hard to, you know, having watched uh, a lot of these negotiations over the years, it's hard to imagine that Congress would spend uh, this many months talking about spending trillions of dollars and not figuring out how to make some sort of deal where they spend some massive amount of money. Uh, I, I will be shocked. And I think that will be the first time that's ever happened if, in fact, uh, that's where this whole negotiation ends. Yeah, listen, let's, let's be clear. They're going to spend some amount of money. They have to get right. to some cobbled together thing that gets Manchin on board. Heck, they could get Lisa Murkowski on the Republican side to go for some of these plans uh, on climate, et cetera. But, Mike, uh, now looking at what's been spent already, you had the $1.9 trillion spent in March on COVID relief. And part of that was due, was directed towards testing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, today, uh, you had President Biden telling governors, you know what, there's not a federal solution to COVID-19. It's a state-run deal. This is the same Joe Biden who, as candidate, said he was going to extinguish the virus and essentially won the presidency campaigning that he was better at it than President Trump. We've been playing some sound bites, Brad, of uh, then candidate Biden or President-elect Biden complaining about testing under the Trump administration. And, uh, you know, now he's in charge a year in. And a lot of folks are asking, what did the American taxpayer get uh, for the one point nine trillion dollars that was spent on covid relief? You know, if they couldn't get testing in order, then, you know, what what exactly did the taxpayer get out of that deal? Where'd the money go? Um, and so here we are, you know, a lot of folks before they went to go see grandma or somebody else at Christmas wanted to get a test and found they were in lines for hours at a time. And, you know, the, the poor people who were there doing the tests were overworked, working seven to seven or some ridiculous shifts were exhausted going seven days a week. And it was very, very difficult. And so uh, that's part of the first year report card, if you will, of President Biden and his administration they ran on being competent, being able to make government work for the American people. And when a lot of folks needed it over Christmas time to go see family to do the right thing, uh, they couldn't get results in order to know whether they should go see relatives or not. Of the big things, this is a big political thing, right, Amy? I mean, the handling of COVID, this testing <laughs> thing, right, where it's going. It's, it's right. a frustration that crosses party lines. It's not if you're going to grandma's house and you can't get a test, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. You're 
pissed off. Yeah, I think it was Governor Haley Barber, Republican governor, a little while back, who made famous the phrase, you know, make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing has been since March of 2020, COVID and the impact it has had on every aspect of our lives. What I hear a lot of beyond just the the real health or economic concerns is the frustration that people had on how it's impacting just the mood of people around us. I mean, we hear more and more stories of road rage. We have people lashing out at flight attendants and punching them. Um, We hear lots of stories of kids who are really struggling in school with emotional uh, um, and behavioral issues. And then there's still the fighting. I, I Again, I hear this a lot in focus groups, but people saying, I am just so tired of logging onto Facebook. And, you know, there people are fighting about vaccines. People are fighting about masks. But there are certain family members we can't talk to about these certain things. Who can we invite to Christmas? Who's been vaccinated? Who hasn't? So this idea of unity, remember the president talked about that a lot too, both on the campaign trail and as newly sworn in president, it was going to be an opportunity, COVID was going to be an opportunity to bring the country together for common cause to defeat it. And instead, here we are uh, a year later, and it feels like we're as divided as ever and as frustrated as ever with our fellow citizens. Yeah. All right, Charlie, here's a tough one. What is the Biden administration doing well or really well right now? Of course, the trick question has to come to me. Uh, oh my goodness. Let me think. Well, I think, you know, in a, in a weird way, he's sort of unifying Americans uh, behind uh, Let's Go Brandon. It's gotten it, it, he's gotten so caught up in unifying America about Let's Go Brandon that even he is saying Let's Go Brandon. Um, but honestly, I would be hard pressed to think. And if I put some time into it, I, I'm sure I could think of something. But I mean, you know, you go back and, and you all both mentioned this. Um, I, I think that this this uh, admission today about uh, COVID and about the federal the, the federal government's inability to handle this and, and sort of dumping it on on state governors and saying it's your responsibility to fix this problem. Uh, you know, that undermines or, or completely uh, annihilates the chief. There were two reasons, two platforms that Donald Trump that Joe Biden ran on. One was about Charlottesville, and that was was nonsense. And the second thing was attacking Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic. And now he admits, you know, 10 months into his presidency that 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 was that that there's nothing that you can actually do and that that it falls to uh, governors to handle this. I think that that is going to in, in a year of a lot of astonishing admissions from this administration, I think that that is going to be the biggest one of the of, of the entire term, because it's the whole reason that, you know, it's the whole purpose of his campaign. And then, Amy, I think you mentioned something as well that I think is really important, and that is the calmness factor. A lot of people, even people who liked uh, Donald Trump's policies, but could not stand him as a person or as a loudmouth or whatever, they voted for Joe Biden because they wanted the noise. They wanted the insanity to stop. He, the, 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 it was the calm vote. And then here we are. It's kind of amazing to look back at the past 10, 11 months. Things haven't calmed down at all. They're as crazy yeah. 
today as they were they have been the past four years, I think. I agree with you on this, the newsworthiness of that statement, that COVID-19 cannot be solved from a federal level to a bunch of governors saying it is your issue. Now, it can be read a number of different ways, but all I remember is that when Donald Trump said something similar to governors, there was this huge uproar that he was abandoning his post about COVID. Exactly. And this in the wake of what we've seen of testing, where he said, Biden said, it was a tragedy, no, a travesty back in December of 2020 that there weren't tests, enough tests. Uh, and now we are in December of 2021 and there are not enough tests, Mike. I, I think it is a big story. We're going to get back to Charlie in, a, in another bo- podcast to ask what's going well. But wrap it up here <laughs> on the uh, on the uh, COVID uh, storyline, which is really amazing. Well, I had uh, Brett Giroir on your show on Christmas Eve, and uh, thanks for letting me fill in. And Thank you for um, doing it, he talked about you know how they had ramped up testing by the end of the Trump administration. And by this point, you know, there should be basically tests everywhere that there was a plan set in place that um, there should have been, you know, freely available testing to any American that wanted one that had a reason to, you know, need a test, whether it was to protect their family members or whether they had symptoms or whatever. And he basically said that the Biden folks got caught flat footed. Obviously, you know, he comes from a different perspective. He was in that role under the Trump administration, but he was the testing guy. And he said the testing was heading in the right direction. And it just didn't grow from where they dropped it off to the Biden administration. And and so here we are a year in and testing is baffling. And a lot of folks are saying, you know, it feels like we're in a third world country because you can't get a test. Yeah. And we should point out Europe does it very well now. As if you need a test and you can get this in your in France or uh, the UK, you can do it. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Amy, uh, last word on this. Hopefully this is Omicron is the beginning of the end. It depends on who you talk to, but it could be at the endemic stage and people start getting it and it's less severe and suddenly we deal with it, but not in the same way um, that we have been dealing with COVID. Uh, do you think, because of everything that's happened to now, that we're going to see a staff shakeup in the White House, including, you know, maybe Ron Klain going or some kind of staff shakeup that gets Biden back, builds Biden back better uh, in 2022? <laughs> um, it, it seems like that is not a route he is going to take, nor one that he has taken in the past. I mean, this is somebody who's had a pretty loyal group of people around him for years and years and years. And again, this was going to be, or is supposed to be one of the assets he brought to the white house was there was not going to be the drama with all of the uh, people coming in and out of the white house in the way it was say in the Trump administration, people getting fired or cabinet members feuding with the president openly. 
Um, so I don't expect we'll see that. But there is a reset that, that needs to happen. And what I hear from Democrats is a real frustration that, you know, the narrative for the last few weeks has been all about how badly uh, Democrats have done or the White House has done on messaging and uh, affecting uh success on build back better. So it's been all process, no policy, that instead of pushing a message that says, right, we got Omicron, but we're going to get through it. Here are the other things we've done. Here's all the successes we've had on the number of people who've been vaccinated, the number um, of people now who are, you know, able to go back to schools, reopen their business, money that's gone into their pockets, reducing child poverty, um, all of the things that they should be talking about, say Democrats, they haven't been because they've been too caught up in Joe Manchin. Now's the chance to stop the public conversation about Joe Manchin, start the public conversation about what you want the 2022 midterms to be about. And, you know, what this reminds me of, Brett, is, is a lot of what we saw, say, in 2010, in 2011, where you had uh, Democrats saying, well, but, you know, okay, fine, things aren't going as well as people had hoped. The economy is still not back to the place where it was before the financial crisis, but we're better than we were, or things could be a lot worse. Well, things could be a lot worse is not a particularly <laughs> rallying. It's not a great rallying cry. It's not a great bumper right? sticker. It's not. And it is true. <laughs> things could be worse, right? A lot more people could have been unvaccinated. A lot more people could be dead. We could have fewer tests, but that's, that's the challenge when you got, and, and when you've got as close as we got this early summer to looking like we were at normal. That, I think, has been the, the biggest uh, problem for the administration is it's one thing to slog through and, you know, people are kind of disappointed because we're not there faster. It's another thing to have gotten what it looked like really close to solving this thing and then to be deep in it again. Going backwards. It's yeah. it's depressing and on a number yeah. of levels. Uh, panel, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Here's a bit of Thank U.S. You, history. On December 27th, 1968, Apollo 8 returned to Earth after a three-day journey that orbited the moon 10 times before landing in the northern Pacific Ocean. Uh, the crew aboard Apollo 8 included Commander Frank Borman, uh, Command Module Pilot James Lovell, and uh, Lunar Module Pilot William Anders. The research conducted led to Apollo successfully landing on the moon. All three crew members made history as the first humans to witness Earth rise, which means to see Earth as a whole planet, as they directly saw the far side of the moon. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Charlie, Amy, and Mike, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.